I'm Frank Dominguez, welcoming you to another session from the John Clark Performance Studio. This time, our guests are the stars of Opera Carolina's production of Giuseppe Verdi's La Traviata. It performs April 20th through the 23rd at the Belk Theater of the North Carolina Blumenthal Performing Arts Center in Charlotte. Joining me here at WDAV are soprano Melinda Whittington, who plays the role of Violetta, and tenor Dominic Armstrong, who plays Alfredo. And both of them will sing for us during this visit, accompanied by pianist Emily Jarrell Urbanic. And I'm certainly looking forward to that. But first, let's get to know these folks a little bit. Melinda and Dominic, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to be here. Yeah. Melinda, first, I have to compliment you on a wonderful essay you wrote for Opera Carolina's Avanti magazine that really contextualizes the role you perform in the opera and the themes that the work explores. So I wonder if I can ask you to briefly tell listeners who aren't familiar with the opera what it's about and the role of Violetta that you play. Sure. Violetta is based on a real-life courtesan, and she was... I think the easiest way for modern audiences to understand is that she was sort of like the Kim Kardashian of her time. So she was really one of the most famous women in Paris. But what's really interesting is that she, um, you know, she she was basically sold into this trade by her father when she was really young. But then she seems to have kind of worked it to her advantage. Um, so in the story, uh, you know, we, we don't know if this if all of this is based on, on reality, but in the story of Violetta, at least, um, we meet her at a party, at a florist party. And um, this is where she meets Alfredo for the first time. And you just sort of get a glimpse into what her life has been like. And she's, she's sick. I uh, know. Shocker. Sorry. Sorry if I'm ruining the ending for everyone. <laughs> um, but she's hiding it well. Um, and the act, act one, after meeting with Alfredo, um, ends with the big aria Sempre Libera, where she's questioning what's worth more in life, uh, to follow the possibility of love or to keep having this freedom that I enjoy. And so she's, she ends saying, forever free. I will always be free. Well, then in act two, we see her off, <laughs> off in the country with Alfredo. Um, and the, really the turning point of the story is when Alfredo's father, Germain, comes to, <clears throat> to visit and say, hey, I need you to leave Alfredo because I have an, another child. My daughter is unable to marry this man because um, of the fact that Alfredo's gone and run off with this, this unsavory character. Um, and so it's sort of a manipulative interaction, but in the end, Violetta decides to give up uh, her love, to, to, to leave, to save this young girl and to save their family. And uh, in Act 3, we see her in her deathbed. And um, just she has a letter um, that she keeps reminding herself, he's going to come back, he's going to come back, he's going to come back. And then finally he does, but it's too late. And so, you you know, today you're going to hear a, 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 an aria from Act 1 where they're having their first interaction and then an aria from Act 3 right before Violetta dies. Dominic, how about you? I, I turn to you to fill in what we need to know about your character, Alfredo. And in particular, I'm interested in how you approach it. Well, you know, this is uh, sort of my I've been living with Alfredo for a while now, and I always sort of feel like. You know, I remember when I was first given the role and my teachers were like, this is a very thankless role because the show is really about her. No. And, no, it, and that's okay. <laughs> I, I, For me, Alfredo has a lot of pathos, but also there's a lot of problems inside of him that he doesn't always acknowledge. And that's kind of how he likes to live. He likes to live in this sort of 
um, everything's great, right, honey? Although he knows, I mean, it may be the first time Violetta is meeting him. He knows that she has been sick for a while, but he's also infatuated with her and he wants to save her, even though part of his saving is you will be mine now. So is it really saving? I don't know. I think he's really trying to get away from his family. I think that this this choice he makes to run off with this woman is sort of to say, look, dad, I can be a man too. And so when his dad comes in in the second act and says, sorry, son, no, you can't. Uh, I think he's a little uh, offended by that. So I think the majority of his journey is trying to get free just as much as Violetta is trying to be free. Mm -hmm. So Sempre Libera is for both of them. But he does it in a way that sort of takes a bird that was flying fine and traps her and then says, well, maybe we can be miserable together and fake our <laughs> happiness together as well. Well, let's hear some of the glorious music uh, of Verdi now to, that helps tell this story. Melinda and Dominic will now perform the Alfredo Violetta duet from Act One, Un Di Felice, Happy One Day, live from the John Clark Performance Studio, accompanied by pianist Emily Jarrell Urbanic. Thank <laughs> you. 
so beautiful. The hopeful duet Un Di Felice, Happy One Day, from Verdi's La Traviata, performed by soprano Melinda Whittington and tenor Dominic Armstrong. They're playing the role the roles of the star-crossed lovers in the production from Opera Carolina, playing April 20th through the 23rd at the Belk Theater in Charlotte. It was such a joy to hear not only uh, the blending of your voices, but also to be able to sit up close to you and watch the wonderful charisma that you have, uh, the, the empathy, the connection uh, that you have in these roles. You know, we often sit in the audience and can hear that in the music and see that in the staging, but to be this up close was really fun for me, and I, I really thank you for that. This is a great experience. Mm-hmm. Melinda, this isn't the first time you've played this role. You performed it quite early in your career at a venue that's near and dear to WDAV's heart, mm-hmm. the Brevard Music Center, where which we featured in concert series for many years. Can I ask you to reflect on playing the role then and revisiting it now as an established professional? Yeah. So Brevard is also near and dear to my heart. It's where I did my first like big leading lady roles. Um, And the first summer I was there, I played Rosalind in Die Fledermaus. And the second summer I got to do both Violetta and Alcina. Um, So that was a really fun, but also really stressful summer for me because I had never undertaken a role of this size before. That being said, it's funny going back to my score because this is actually my first time performing the role professionally. So my professional debut, but I'm going back to my score and I'm like, wow, like I used to write so much in here. I mean, I had so many staging notes. Now I use post-its, you know, I, I, so I can take them out and get be ready for the next production. So I had a lot of erasing to do. The one thing I worried about that I had to check um, when Maestro Mina and I chatted about doing this role was act one, uh, because especially since having children, my voice is a little bit darker, richer, deeper. And I really, you know, it's always infamously hard for any soprano to navigate what seems to be written for at least two sopranos in this role. And so I just wanted to really check that the act one aria would still be possible for me with all the coloratura and the runs and the high notes. And uh, what I found over the, the last few months of really preparing this role again is that it's all better and easier. Um, so that's a relief. And I, I think the 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 thing that that is really different is just my understanding of my own instrument my ease and my technique and now with kids it's like you know you just you get what you get you don't have time to sit around and stress about every single note you get your 5 minutes of practice and you hope for the best you know <laughs> It sounds like you're going to really be able to enjoy the performance perhaps a little bit more this time. Even though you do have to go through some sad things in it, you, you're the, the artist and you will enjoy being able to do it with more confidence and Absolutely. And skill. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think to, to my time with David Gately and Patrick Hansen working on this the first time around and... Uh, I tr- was trying desperately to do that E flat at the end of Sempre Lee, but I thought it was expected of me. And finally, David Gately just said, honey, you're, you're not an E flat soprano. <laughs> I'm like, OK, you're right. You know, so and, and that's another thing. I, I know a little bit more about who I am, what I do well and how to play into those strengths, because ultimately this is bel canto. Right. So the beauty of the voice, beauty of what brings out the beauty in my voice is going to be different than what brings out the beauty in someone else's. So understanding that is helping me sing the role better. And of course, living, you know, just as a human in the world, bringing more life experience to the character. Dominic, uh, I'm going to leave the world of La Traviata for a moment and maybe revisit uh, your early days, too, and ask you about your experience as a finalist uh, in the Metropolitan Opera National Council competition. Tell us about, first of all, the significance of that for people who maybe don't realize what that means and the impact it had on you as a young artist. Oh, 
Okay. Um, well, it was towards the end of my time in my training. I only did the Met competition once. I was in my later 20s, um, and it felt like it was time. It was a crazy situation. I actually went and did the, uh, the first round in my home uh, state of Missouri, and I went to Kansas City, and I, I started the process there. Uh, when I was in the semifinals eventually, I was also, in the midst of doing the semifinals, I was also doing a production of L'Elysia d'Amore at school. So I was singing Nemorino and then dry, and then heading from Philly, going to New York to work on the week of semifinals, <laughs> where I was singing something entirely different. I did Nemorino on one day, and then I was doing Grimes' Mad Scene in the semifinals. That was a little scary. Then the week of the Met was intense. What they don't tell you after the semifinals is you go the next day and sing the rest of your material for the judges to let you know what you're going to sing for the big concert at the end of the week. And I was exhausted. So I remember that being a bit of a stressor. I was really lucky and fortunate to have um, a maestro uh, leading the orchestra for that process that was very close to me uh, and uh, was very beneficial to the early part of my career, Stephen Lord, uh, who was at the time uh, head of music at uh, Opera Theatre St. Louis. Um, and he was conducting the Met. Uh, it was his first time doing that and and my first time singing with them also. It was a it was a very gratifying week, you know. It was uh, the interesting part of that um, actually, and something that Melinda was just talking about is uh, learning about what your thing is and what you have to offer the opera world. The week ended, and uh, while I did not make it to the finals, I, I was in the finals, but I did not make it to the winner's circle. What I do remember is um, going out of the theater that day and hearing, "Why didn't Dominic get that? Why didn't that happen for him?" And I remember the review came out the next day and Tomasini was like, I don't understand why Mr. Armstrong was not selected. So I sort of felt like, although I did not win, I sort of got to win in the fact that people acknowledged what I was doing. Uh, as far as how it helped my career, it definitely was something that ended up on my resume. And I will always be thankful to the Met for the support that they've given me throughout my uh, career. Uh, although I have not been back since then, I would love to. And also... Without the Met, I wouldn't be with my wife now. So I suppose I got something out of there at the end of the day as well. So. <laughs> Thank you for being so uh, uh, frank about that because, uh, you know, I think a lot of times uh, people who follow classical music think of competitions as these glamorous uh, events and mm. don't realize just how stressful oh. they are to, mm. uh, for They're the performers. Winners or people who don't make it to the final cut all mm. go through some incredible stress. So you've, you've given us a good picture of that. Oh, for but sure. But you also have given us an insight into how it's the experience that really is valuable because that's what makes you grow as an artist. My feeling always is, you know, for whatever competition you do, first of all, you know, the money, whether you get some or not, doesn't really matter. What you're really after is an audience. What you're always after is an audience, particularly in the field that we're in. You're always fighting for an audience. So it was always to me more about like how many people can I get in front of to actually share mm -hmm. what what I care about so much with other people. And, you know, that's definitely one of the times I got to be in front of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I always look I'm looking forward to this production because we'll get to be in front of a lot of people again. Hopefully <laughs> get your tickets. Uh, my background before I got into radio is in theater. Ah. And uh, you're reminding me of how I when I taught acting classes, I would always tell the students. Uh, about auditions, stop thinking about the outcome of the audition. Mm. It's a chance for you to get in front of somebody mm. and do what you do. Absolutely. Right. That's what it should be about. So. Absolutely. Thank you for confirming that for me. <laughs> I hope some students are listening. Me too. Mine should be. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, before I let you go, I need to hear one more of uh, these glorious Verdi duets, and this time from later in the story. Melinda and Dominic will now perform their duet from the final act, Parigi Ocara Noi Lasheremo, We Will Leave Paris, Dear, live from the John Clark Performance Studio at WDAV, and once again accompanied by Emily Jarrell Urbanic. Oh, 
Now, if we were in the opera house, there would be a thunderous ovation at this point. The duet Parigi Cara, Noi Lasciaremo, We Will Leave Paris, Dear, from Verdi's La Traviata, performed by soprano Melinda Whittington and tenor Dominic Armstrong. They're playing the roles of Violetta and Alfredo in the production from Opera Carolina, playing April 20th through the 23rd at the Belk Theater in Charlotte, and they were accompanied by Emily Gerald Urbanic. Melinda, Dominic, and Emily, thank you so much for visiting with us today to give us this lovely preview. It's really thank been you. a pleasure. Yeah. From the John Clark Performance Studio at WDAV, I'm Frank Dominguez.